far my favorite Star Wars movie. I think that it it, it has some great characters in it. Uh, mm-hmm. They're they're all appealing. They're all interesting. Did you do this at the last too? Just just for good measure, <laughs> at the first SwampCon, JBL would have moved. <laughs> I, I feel like the lasts have really good plumbing. And yeah. here we go. Now the story of an eclectic fan base who lost touch with reality and the one podcast that somehow holds them all together. It's the substandard expanded universe. Welcome to the year 2020 and the SSEU podcast. Yes, we are back for yet another year of insightful, in-depth movie reviews and discussion of pop cultural phenomena. I am Thomas, and I am, as usual, joined by the Bigfoot of Sioux Falls, Chris Haberman. How are you today, Chris? I'm great. Thank you for asking, best friend. We are also joined by the Countess of Travis County, Ryan Kinney. Ryan, welcome back from your Spider-Man closet. Wow, 30 seconds in, already two put-downs. Okay, 2020, uh, off to a great start. The SSEU podcast started as a fan podcast of the weekly substandard podcast of the murdered weekly standard. Today, known as the Sub Beacon Podcast, we discuss movies, pop culture, have guests on the show, just have a good time. If you enjoy scripted shows, this is the place for you. If it seems and like there it's poorly was, produced um, and unplanned, you know, uh, right? Um, how was that? Was that? It says crosstalk in the in the script. Crosstalk, yeah, that, yeah, that pretty good. We planned that, and I hope you found it funny. We employ a dozen of writers. The writers' room for this show is amazing. It's led by Rob Long, which explains a lot of things. We have to just keep sending back all his pages. That's just Cheers dialogue. <laughs> Guys, we've had a holiday season. How was it? How are you? Should we just uh, answer at the same time? Well, you know how mine was. You our kids got up and here. we opened presents and then we got in the car and we drove for many, many hours to visit my dad in northern Minnesota. Ryan, why'd you stop? Well, uh, my joke was over. Okay. And uh, <laughs> I, I realize now it would have been funnier if I just kept going. You just got to stick with that. Bit. You want to do it again? Do you want to uh, do it again? No, no. I think, I think the moment's gone. It would have been funny, though. Okay. Well, was, um, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, it is really hard. You have no idea how many takes it gets. Like, how many takes required to actually get the crosstalk to, for us to enter at the same time? Jim Swift directs every episode, and he's <laughs> you know, he makes us stay here as long as it takes. Chris, tell us about your trip to Minnesota and the dogging that, that you did there. Well, Ryan wants to hear about my snow uh, tires, too, right? Oh, I can't wait yes! to hear about the How snow are tires. the snow tires? How are the snow tires? Let's Thomas, they that. are so great. I've never had snow tires before. I got them, I don't know, a little over a week ago, right before my trip up to um, the Canadian border of Minnesota, up to uh, my dad's house in, in Ely, Minnesota. If you've ever heard of it, it's a wonderful, wonderful place. Um, my dad's lived there for a year and a half. Um, what beautiful is and nut sticks. Don't say he was uh, – I was looking up dogging as thinking it was going to be something else. It is not what I thought it was going to be, and <laughs> you should not say that Chris was doing that. 
Well, I, I should say that uh, my dad accidentally called it sled dogging to the amusement of both my kids because um, he said it, you know, backwards, dog sledding, sled dogging. Sled dogging. Uh, that's so, so, so anyway, right uh, yeah, so we got... That's a good jet, dad joke. I like it. <laughs> it wasn't a joke. He, he, he messed up, but the oh. kids were very <laughs> amused by that. Smooth ride up there on Christmas Day. Um, got up there. Uh, we had absolutely gorgeous weather. Uh, we went hiking outside in the snow twice, and it's just wonderful being in a place that has real winter. I mean, we we have winter here in South Dakota, but, I mean, it'll snow, it'll melt, it'll snow, it'll melt. But, like, they have, like, legitimately three feet of snow on the ground. Every parking lot, uh, when they plow the parking lot, there's, like, a, a 10, 15-foot mound of snow that every single time we would get out of the car, the kids would climb to the top of, and we'd be like, uh, come on, kids, like, we're trying to go to our <laughs> destination where, like, we should have just embraced, like, the destination was the friggin' snow pile. Like, Isaac, I'm not even exaggerating to say that probably 250,000, probably 250 times, uh, he ju- just jumped into a snowbank, um, <laughs> only to, like, just because just it's fun to jump and land in the snow. Yeah. Yeah, I, I saw. I saw. So Meg sent me photos of Isaac playing in the snow, and that was one happy kid. It couldn't have been happier. Yeah, it was great. And then, so the highlight, um, the big outing was. I mean, so we did hikes. We went sledding. We we uh, we did a lot of outdoor stuff. Um, we went to Wolf Center. Definitely, the highlight was was dog sledding. Like we went and we did like a three hour dog sled outing. We met the dogs. They had ninety one dogs at this place. And they're they're kind of retired uh, racers, so the, many of them had done the Iditarod or other big dog sledding races. And um, when they retire, uh, when they're no longer in racing condition, they come here and they have ninety one dogs okay. who are living their best life, pulling dog sleds. Um, put them out to stud. Uh, question: How many dogs do they put in front of one sled? Six. And how how fast does it go? It's do a good know? question. I think I asked, and, and they were kind of nonspecific. It's it's hard to say because like these are kind of narrow trails. It seems like you're going at a pretty good clip, but I don't know. Fifteen miles an hour. Um, okay, that seems pretty fast for a sled across flat land or whatever. I mean that would that would seem really fast. I think. I, I think Being... over um, we averaged about ten miles an hour. I think because we would stop here and there. Um, we went about eight miles in a little under an hour. Um, so I guess closer to eight miles an hour, but. Do you feel ready to take on the Iditarod now? Oh, definitely, definitely ready. I don't know if I'm ready for for that commitment. I think it's a, is it a thousand miles? It's something stupid. Yeah, yeah. So I went eight miles. Um, so I, I feel ready for a thousand, but uh, I don't think I want to do a thousand miles. What, what's the What's the Disney movie that's loosely based on the Iditarod? Iron Will. Is that Iron Will? I remember watching so, that when I was a kid, and I loved it. Yeah, that's what I was going to... I I watched that a bunch of times, too, when I was a kid. That's what I was going to say. So all those dogs, I assume, have PTSD, because <laughs> in Iron Will, everybody except for Will did not treat their dogs well. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I don't know if that's a good uh, representation, because, like, th- these people, like, they love their dogs. Like, they made it very clear. They're like... As long um, as they win, they love those dogs, as long as, you know... Well, these people aren't, aren't racing. They, they own a business, and they're just like – they're like, we have 91 different dogs. We know – like, they talked, like, in depth about, like, yeah, we know more than just their names. Like, we know their personalities. We know their – like, they're their friends. It's kind of weird, <laughs> to be honest. As our listeners probably know, I visited Chris over Thanksgiving. Then I visited Ryan over Christmas. 
and I've successfully clogged a toilet at both of their places. It's kind yeah, of your thing. He barely, you know, I knew that he did it at Chris's, and it was the last night that he was going to be here, and it was very late, and he hadn't clogged one at my house yet. And I Time was, was running out. I was a little bit, I was like, I guess he's not going to do it. I guess he doesn't, you know, I guess it's it's just not special for him here. But then, you know, getting ready to go up to bed, and he just opens the door and says, hey, we got a problem. And uh, I gave him a hug, and we cried, and then I cleaned up it, a mess. It's a you hug him while he was pooping, or you're, you're saying he's done at that point? <laughs> it, but look, Chris, it was a real bonding moment. Don't ruin it with your cheap okay. jokes. Okay. Did you do this at the last, too, just, just for good measure? <laughs> At the first SwampCon? JBL would have moved. <laughs> I, I feel like the last have really good plumbing. You tested it, though. You put it to the test. Yeah. Um, uh, all right. Transition. As, transition. One, well, as one does. All right. Ryan, question. So okay. I, I, there are a few things about Texas that are confusing to me. You live on a road that has FM in the name. Mm-hmm. There are also other roads in Austin. And I don't know about other cities. Is it the same? I don't know. Like so AM, well, FM, radio? Yeah, so there's FM and RM, like 620 and whatever. Yeah, so the road I live on, if you go far enough south, it is RM 620. But then further north where I live on it, it's FM 620. FM is farm to market road 620. RM is what you looked it up. What, road to what, market. Road to market. Yeah. <laughs> road to market. Road six twenty. They have uh, I the the other cross street that I live off of is uh, FM twenty two twenty two. Are you going to explain any of this? I, I don't have an ex. I have no okay. idea. I, and, I, is this I, common? Or is this? Yeah, this I mean, it's it, like if you get out, you know further into the country in texas yeah there that I, I don't know why there are these rm roads there's fm there's rr which is rural route there are other ones too there's there's one road that used to be just a country road but now austin has expanded so much that it's like a main highway and it is it it, it runs pretty much straight north and south but it is referred it is called Loop one, there, but it's just a straight line. There's no loop, but it's called Loop One <laughs> or Mopac Expressway. And I have no idea what Mopac stands for. Uh, no, so, so, so it's really it's it's really strange to me that a city that prides itself on being like weird and attracts a bunch of hippies and artists and like, creative people that they can't think of names for their fucking roads. Also, Austin traffic, especially in downtown, is the worst. I've lived yeah. in Phoenix now for a year. And in Phoenix, most of the roads are fairly straight and the lanes are really wide. But when you come mm. to Austin, the lanes narrow and I feel like I'm going to hit someone like every turn. Yeah, it, there's, a, there's a lot of sudden lane narrowing, uh, especially when you get downtown. And it's, it, it is high stress to drive downtown in austin i yeah, don't and, like and and uh, the i-35 which is the, the main uh, uh interstate that runs north south 
is not fit for purpose. It it is way too small and it is always clogged. Austin's terrible, although pretty much, much pretty. like Ryan's like, toilet. It's like way toilet. too small and always clogged. Brought it back around. I like how you did that, Thomas. Can we make this a new segment? Um, recurring segment like a infrastructure talk. Infrastructure, yeah, it it might pay. It's infrastructure week. <laughs> <laughs> like it, it, all these American cities you visit, we could talk just talk about like the road road naming conventions and um, and just general talk of congestion and all that stuff. I think it would be a good segment. Clogging, lots of clogging. Clog, lots of clogging. Also, while I was in Austin, I had opportunity to go to a climbing gym. Uh, for the first time, are you going to tell me what that is? I don't know what a climbing gym is. It's, I mean, it's a place. Is it just, is it just a wall, a rock wall, where like an indoor rock wall? I, I mean, yeah. So most of these facilities, because are... when you say gym, I imagine people that are like, there are like exercise machines built specifically to train people Climbers. for climbing. Yeah, like, like you just you, go on all fours and yeah, you just, just like, a, like it's yeah. like a stairs. Tubes all over you, and you're just moving your arms back and forth. So I I don't know if all of these climbing gyms have exercise machines or whatever. I believe some of them do. So a climbing gym, they they have climbing walls uh, where they set different routes, and then they change them out. They have walls that with overhangs. They have walls that are tilted or slanted in different ways. Uh, They use a lot of terminology that I didn't really get the hang of. But it was so much fun. I, I don't enjoy lifting weights or anything like that, but I hurt in places I didn't realize that like I could be in pain. In. Yeah, I can imagine you using every muscle you have to do that. I don't know why that's fun, but no, it, it was a lot of fun and a different like they call them problems. Like the routes that you are supposed to climb on a wall have different levels of difficulty, so you can make it really easy or you can make it extremely fucking hard. Uh, and they have a, a grading system and everything for it. It's it's a lot of fun. Did you wear pants with a gusseted crotch? I did not. This was probably my big mistake, my biggest mistake. Okay. So, yeah, so that it, wasn't a requirement. Like they didn't inspect your crotch when you walked in and could you do a plank on a rock? Without <laughs> a gusseted crotch? Uh, I I don't think you can. I feel like my performance would probably have improved by at least 10% if I had a gusseted crotch. I enjoyed it. I might go check out a few of the climbing gyms uh, here in in Phoenix and uh, maybe become a member. All right, let's get to the reason why we're here today. So it is not always that you have a chance. It is very rare that you have a chance to actually review a decade. But that's what we're going to do here on the show. It's it's true. I mean, we have to wait 10 years to do this again. Wait. Yeah. Yeah. Is it going to be 10 years? Three thousand. Uh, oh, hold on, let me, let me count. Thirty-six. Um, I, I think it's here. at least uh, ten years until the next second. It's one. Twenty twenty-one. It's two. Twenty twenty-three. It's four. <laughs> <laughs> it's this. All right, I'm not gonna count it. That's some good counting, though. It's good content. We have all assembled our top ten movies. You, you guys have top 10 lists, right? It's not like Ryan's going to come here with let, 24 let, movies. Let me check. Let me check. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Yeah, I have, I have ten. Okay. Ten movies. Good. Uh, Ryan, you had an idea about how to do this? Oh, yeah. So start at, we each start at ten, go through, and list our 
number 10 movie. Um, but we, we only talk about a movie if that's like the last time somebody is going to say it on their list. Okay, so we know what we're doing. Uh, we're going to start at 10. Ryan, how about you go first? One more thing. So these are our favorite movies from the decade. They are not necessarily the quote-unquote best movies or whatever. Like Ryan and Chris have lists with their favorites. I have, list, I have a list with the best movies of the decade. And that's how this is going to work. So Ryan, give us your number 10 and let's go. Uh, number 10 is Prisoners. It's uh, Denis Villeneuve's movie from 2013, starring Hugh Jackman and Jake Gyllenhaal. It's an upsetting movie to watch. It's only the second time I've watched it. I, I rewatched it last night. You know it's, what else is upsetting to watch? Booksmart. I don't think so. No, that was that was enjoyable. Uh, but it's it's just like um, it, it's really it's it's a really really well made movie. Uh, the subject material is uh, not happy. Um, it uh, revolves around some children being kidnapped and just like uh, decades of children being kidnapped. But Jake Gyllenhaal as like this um, hotshot detective who he, part of why I like it is because uh, there's a the theme of that singular focus in there to where like Gyllenhaal is just – that all, all he cares about is just his cases and he just completely throws himself into it and, you know, lives and reacts with, uh, w w at one point his, um, uh, his, his chief tries to tell him, Hey, you know, you know, w we can't solve everything. Uh, we're just basically janitors just cleaning up messes and okay. Quest question. So, th so this is part of his earlier, like, is it a trio of movies that he made before mm -hmm. he sort of made it big and people really love like so there's it, there's this one poly, poly polytechnic or something yeah and, and then there's also enemy which is a lot of people will put that on their top 10 list i i liked it is super weird really strange movie it's really cool it's original I don't think they're not connected, but he made like both uh, Jake Gyllenhaal is an em enemy and then the next movie he made after that was Prisoners, and then he made Sicario. Okay. Have you seen all of them? Do you recommend all of them? I know that we have some people yeah. in a mega thread that love these movies. I, I think, like, I, I don't think I love his first two as much as a lot of people do. Like, I, I, like my favorite movies of his are Prisoners, Arrival, and Blade Runner 2049. Chris, what is your number 10? My number 10 is a comedy that we and, – and I should say, uh, I guess to preface all of this, that I have a hard time ranking things. I just picked 10 movies that I really liked, and it's going to sound boring because if you listen to our podcast, these are 10 movies that we've talked about at length. Uh, I think maybe one of these movies on my list is one that we haven't talked about extensively, which it should be no surprise that like we talk about movies we like. So uh, number 10 um, is a comedy we talked about uh, a little it's over a year ago. It's The Nice Guys. It's The Nice Guys. Okay. I, I have it higher on my list. And so we'll wait to talk about it, uh, except to say that we finally talked Jonathan and Shannon last into watching this movie. I don't know oh, like, really? the sense of what they – yeah, was it two nights ago they watched it? Yep. Mm -hmm. um, for the first time, um, Shannon was like – Why is everyone naked? Why is everyone naked? Which <laughs> is not a feeling I got. That was a – like, there's a the very part. small portion of it. Yeah. 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 It, it, she's like, yeah, we enjoyed it. 
But I think in a sense that they loved it. Like most people in the SSEU, not most people, many people seem to really love this. It's it's a great like cover. It. We, we we can get back to it. Yeah. Uh, my number ten is Rogue One. I, I I've done a lot of thinking. I've done a lot of rewatching of Star Wars movies. Rogue One is by far my favorite Star Wars movie. I think that it it, it has some great characters in it. Uh, mm-hmm. They're they're all appealing. They're all interesting. You don't need to know too much of their motivations or backstory or whatever. It's just a fun movie. The battle scene at the end of the movie on Skirith or whatever the planet is called is the best battle scene in any Star Wars movie. It is pretty. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is it is a small band of rebels taking mm-hmm. the empire and trying to uh, trying to steal the plans for for the Death Star and everything. And it's just it all just works. It, it is great. Yeah. It's fast paced. It's a terrific action movie. And I don't understand how people can rank Solo higher than it. That does not play with me. I I don't think people do. I think Typhus does. Um, I don't know <laughs> anyone else that does. Um, yeah, it, Rogue One is is really good. They got the feel of it right. Um, it, it's a it's a Star Wars movie that is, doesn't have a whole lot of well, it has no Jedi. It has a little bit of Force with uh, I one with the Force. The Force is with me. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you have the battle up in in space. You have the battle on the ground um, with just a few people trying to make it seem big. And kind of the joy um, you see that small band of rebels have when they realize that that um, the rebels. The bigger rebellion has responded, and is there's a battle in space. I mean that that's really cool. Watching the team come together over the course of the film, the various characters, um, Cassian Andor sacrificed a lot for the cause, um, and then you see him up against like Saw Gerrera, who is like a, a space terrorist, and um, <laughs> you know very. But and then you have the broader rebellion that's that's very, trying to be very cautious. They don't want to take too many risks. So so Andor, who's kind of this by the book kind of middle middleman uh you know middle manager or whatever where he usually is, takes orders but instead chooses to follow but he's it's also great. like i mean at the beginning of the movie where he right, he kills the he, yeah. he kills his source where yeah. it, it, like to me like that that just set it apart from other star wars movies to where like he's not you, you know he's not the you know perfect hero that you you know want to, he's going to do what he has to do to win mm-hmm. sometimes that's dirty and, yeah, and uh, I like a Krennic, character like that. And Krennic is a great Krennic, villain. Yeah, and yes. oh, he's so good. Uh, yeah, he's a great villain. And so, of course, like the Vader scenes are great, but like the, I think it would have been great without those. Um, sure, uh, we didn't yeah. we didn't need like to to, to see that. No. That just was icing on the cake. Where that was yeah, that was I would super love to cool. See but more yeah. Star Wars movies like this. Um, yeah, in this universe that that aren't reliant on on the Skywalkers or the Palpatines. Is my I I had it close to my top 10 for a while is definitely my favorite star wars movie of the decade yeah no so if you're gonna watch a star Wars, uh watch rogue one yeah ryan number nine i forgot what it was i was just looking at it uh number nine is whiplash 2014 i believe it is uh damien chevaliers a damien chevalier joint yeah um so it's about a uh, student at a prestigious music school with a um i don't know bobby knight style um instructor who uh believes that the only way to push people to greatness is by 
completely tearing them down in the worst ways possible because as he says later on like well because one student asks him well don't you think you might be discouraging the next great you know charlie parker or whatever and he says no because the next great uh charlie parker will never give up give up no matter what the discouragement is he's a very uh flawed character um which also the themes of the singular focus where at one point the main character goes through a uh, social network style breakup scene with his girlfriend telling her that basically um you know i have to focus on my music all the time and you're going to resent me and then therefore if, if you resent me for playing music i'm going to end up hating you you know it's going to be really bad and she so my favorite part about this movie is jk simmons I, I yeah. think he is great in it. Like, he, the, the, the lead, whatever his name is, uh, he's also good, but J.K. Simmons Miles, was... Miles Teller, yeah. And so, at one point in the movie, uh, like, Miles Teller is just so, like, driven and foc- uh, focused on, like, getting to this performance that he forgets something and goes back to get it out of his riddle car, but gets in a car accident, a really bad car accident, on the way back to the performance, and still is, like, bleeding and comes out on stage just with... The, you know, concussion probably and just clearly had just been in a really bad car accident and he's trying to play and just messes it, messes it up. In Ben Fold's book that came out this year, he says that um, that was like uh, a, a little bit uh, based on him. And he talked to um, Damien Javelier, Jazel, uh, about it because uh, apparently bef- before a big performance, he had gotten in a fight and got sent to the hospital the night before. And he came in with like um, a broken nose and broken arm and tried to play. And it was terrible. And he ended up throwing his drum kit into the lake. Yeah. So I I just looked it up. Simmons won an Oscar for best supporting actor uh, for his performance in Whiplash. And it had a 3 million budget, a 3 million budget and pulled in almost 50 million. So... Great success. It was yeah. a really fun movie. And Chris, you haven't seen this one, right? I have not seen this one. So I think you would like it. Ryan seems a bit skeptical, but it's. I, I think you would enjoy it. No, I, I think you like it. Chris, number nine. Number nine. Talked about it recently, Hunt for the Wilder People. Um, it's been uh, mentioned. Uh, I think Rick mentioned it for the first time. I, Ryan, have you seen this movie? Yes. Yeah. Uh, oh, you're doing a thing. Okay. I talked about it before Rick talked about it. Uh, it's it's a wonderful so, movie directed by Taika Waititi. Everyone should watch it. I believe it's on available on Hulu right now. Uh, it it's it's um it's a heartwarming movie without being just you know schlock uh, or schlocky, uh, yeah. and, and it's very 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 funny. Uh, everyone should go like put just pause the podcast. We'll, we'll wait. Go watch the movie, and then you can come finish the podcast. No, listen to this while you're watching the movie. It'll go right along. With- <laughs> It's it's a really great movie. It's like you said, it's heartwarming without being schlocky or just stupid. Um, it's 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 really funny. Uh, so many laugh out loud moments from it too. My number nine is the only sports movie on my list. It's from 2011. It was also on Money top ball? of yes. It was also on top of my sports movie ranking, which uh, we did with Flag on the podcast. I love this movie. I could watch it a hundred times. I've got it next. No, I've got it in two spots 
for me. Okay. So yeah. Okay. We'll we'll get to it then. Uh, what's your number eight? Me. Are we going to keep yes. doing it the way, the order that we've been doing it? Or are we going to switch it up right now? No, we're we're gonna. No, my number eight is Warrior. It is a movie starring uh, Joel Egerton and uh, Tom Hardy. This one's kind of where um, it's not so much that it's a perfectly made movie, but uh, and it really plays a lot on emotion, but uh, it, it earns it. Like with the perfor- the performances from Joel Egerton and Tom Hardy and uh, Frank Grillo as Joel Egerton's um, co- It's about two brothers who are cage fighters they're kind of estranged their family their their father played by nick nolte um was a really violent alcoholic when they were younger and um so he's dealing with the fact that he's getting sober but that just neither of his sons really trust him uh at the even at this point in their life i don't want to like Spoil! I imagine like a lot of people haven't seen it, but I, I until you mentioned it the other day, I had never heard of this. Uh, so, so it's Warrior from 2011, right? Yes, uh, directed by um, Gavin O'Connor, I think it is. Same guy directed Miracle, and so it's it's in his wheelhouse. It's it, it's it's really good. Yeah, I I love it. I love the score. Um, is it a sports movie? Yeah, I mean or, it's it, it it is, but it's it's more about like the relationships between fathers and sons, and like uh, honor, and then like consequences uh, for things. Um, it's it's really good. Chris, number eight. Number eight. Um, this is a movie that I've talked a lot about. Um, I oh, love it. I love it. I love it. Of course, all these Netflix? movies I've talked a lot about. It, it, I don't think it is anymore, but it, yeah, it's, it's Wind River. Um, it's, it's a movie everyone should watch. Uh, really good performances yeah. and really good themes. Uh, and, and, you know, it, it kind of gives a voice to the voicelessness of the Native American people who have um, – our government has not treated them well um, yeah. from breaking treaties to um, them just uh, being on these uh, kind of hopeless reservations. Um, and so it's a, it's a really good depiction of that without um, – yeah, I, I love mm. everything about the movie. Yeah, I really like that movie. Do it's really so, great. So, uh, are there other movies that you think depict reservations and do it poorly that you can think of? I don't. I don't I can't think, think of it's any really other done at all. Like maybe in like a, uh, a, a kind of a joking sense, or um, I can't think of any like real serious. Like, I can't modern, even think of another uh, movie that really like a temporary that, movie. That, that yeah, yeah, contemporary movie that that deals with it uh, at all. And it's just, it's really, really heartbreaking. Taylor Sheridan, I think this is his second movie he directed. He wrote this. He wrote Sicario. He wrote and directed Hell or High Water. And I think that this is the second movie he directed, but I might be wrong about that. We've we've talked a lot about Wind River before. Yeah, all of us yeah, like it. Yeah. All of us recommend it. Uh, so if like you Wander, seen... it, it looks amazing. Um, there isn't there isn't much humor to it, but uh, the, uh, the performances are really really good, and of course the story is really compelling and coherent. Yeah. Another case of Jeremy Renner just reminding people that like he can be like an amazing actor. Yeah, and uh, the best Olsen sister. Indeed, definitely. Okay, my number eight. We're on eight, right? My number eight is Interstellar. Ooh. Okay. Mm, oh. It's pretty uh, low. I've got it uh, too higher. 
Okay, never mind. Uh, Ryan, go on. Uh, number seven is Moneyball, the uh, movie based on the book by... Um, why can't I think of his name? Uh, he's written so many books that I like. I can't. Michael Lewis. Michael Lewis, yes. Uh, script by Aaron Sorkin, and it's just a... Uh, I think it's one of those cases where Sorkin, he can... When his scripts don't work, they're really bad, but when they work and he gets people to give the performances they are just like kind of like a high wire act and i think brad pitt is great in this maybe maybe brad pitt's best performance so it it, it, yeah right it it is so good uh i attribute much of it to aaron sorkin's writing Uh, like i i love aaron sorkin scripts they're great like uh, the west wing moneyball uh even even that ashton kutcher steve jobs movie uh, is pretty good. And so, so it's just an amazing script. Brad Pitt puts in a terrific performance and it is great, especially when I watched it the first time, I had no idea how the Oakland A's, how they actually did. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. for me, it was also like exciting and I was, how, how is this going to end? And they go on that massive win streak and they break the records and then, and then it turns out they don't actually win. <laughs> Uh, which what I, season was that? Was that 2003? Was that when the Twins beat them in the ALDS? Uh, oh, gosh, I think it was. I don't. Uh, it's like the only that. time the Twins, have, like this century, the Twins have advanced out of the ALDS. Is is against the Moneyball days? Yeah, it's like 2002 or 2003, something, some early 2000 year. Hang on, I'll bang it. Moneyball. I'll bang it. What year? Jonah Hill is Oakland great. He's great in that too. Just like they did a good job. Aaron Sorkin did a good job with the script of just taking like such so much from the book and just condensing it into something that's digestible. Because Jonah Hill is like a composite of like three different people from the book. And yeah, and Jonah Hill is great in it. I I I've recently discovered or realized. How much do you actually like Jonah Hill as an actor? Mm-hmm. I was watching The Wolf of Wall Street the other day, and he's great in that too. Like he he has some of the funniest scenes in that. Oh, movie. oh my gosh, yeah, he really does. As I was uh, driving, two thousand two season, two thousand two season, yeah. Um, as I was driving home from Ely, uh, I listened to while my kids watched Megamind, and Jonah Hill is pretty good in Megamind, which is oh a good... yeah, he is, yeah, that's right, uh, he is good in that. Uh, oh, and um, Philip Seymour Hoffman. As Art Howe. Yeah. I've, I've not seen him in anything recently. He's, I think, like, he was taking a break? I'm, I'm looking forward to his next movie. Maybe he's doing some theater. I mean, if they can put Princess Leia in movies, I'm sure they can put Philip Seymour Hoffman in the movie, too. Hey, I'll take it. All right. Chris, what year? What year? Oh, it's 2002. We, we 2002. Got it. We said it. Okay. Okay. Which which right. that might have been I think that's the the year I'm thinking uh, that uh, the Angels won the World Series. And I'm trying to think of the movie because they show the them losing. Beat them. Yeah, they show them losing. I can't think of who it was that they lost to though. Uh, where are we, Chris? Minnesota number seven. Minnesota Twins. Number seven. Um, something we haven't talked about a lot. Uh, I'm a big fan of everything that Whit Stillman does, um, and Love and Friendship was no exception. I a really enjoyable yeah. movie, and and Ryan and I are big fans of uh, Tom the, Bennett. The of Tom Bennett, um, who is funny. He's the like the best thing in everything he's in. Yeah, it, like, they they made a 
was did Netflix make the the Office the British like a movie based on the British Office? Oh, I didn't even know. Yeah, Tom Bennett's in that, and he's the he's like he's way better than Ricky Gervais. Oh, I need to go look for this now and watch it. He's in that um, the show with Glenn Howerton, AP Bio. Um, where he was, yeah, he was in the first season where he plays Glenn Howerton's arch nemesis or whatever. It it got canceled, but then it ended up getting picked up for NBC's soon to be streaming service. So I mean, the the peacock, I'm signing Um, up for the cock. The cock is going to be huge. (laughs) I I really like love and friendship. It's really funny. Stephen Fry in it. Uh, the, the 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 great Kate Beckinsdale. Uh, it, it's a good movie. Mm-hmm. I might have seen this, but I don't remember it. No, oh, I'm thinking. You, of, need, I'm, you, need to, I'm, you need to watch it. I'm thinking of a different Witch Summer movie. I'm sorry. Yeah, I have not seen this. What? That's crazy, Thomas. You need to remedy this. It, uh, it, it's it's you know based on a Jane Austen. Um, like it's a period thing. Uh, it's great. My number seven is another Christopher Nolan movie. It's Inception. Hmm. Didn't make my top ten. Uh, may, maybe Christopher Nolan incepted this very idea into Thomas's brain. Maybe it wasn't even your idea. Oh, my goodness. So Inception's great. I, I remember watching Inception the first time in theater. I loved it. I loved it up on rewatch. I loved it when I watched it the third time. So I have this thing where I don't go back and rewatch movies a whole, uh, a whole lot unless I think they're great. And I love Inception. I know that there are people who say that it's aged poorly or that it isn't as great or it's not their favorite. Uh, it's, not, it's not my favorite Nolan movie, but it is up there. Nolan makes movies for, for people who love movies. I mean, yeah. just, just, it just looks amazing. Like, the, the snowscape was amazing. Um, just, the score. Yeah, the score, yeah. So the score is great, but this is also a movie that you could watch on silent and it would look amazing. Yeah, yeah. No, it, it's... Um... I I love Inception. I watch it uh, probably once a year. Probably watch it again in a few months. Uh, Leo is great. Every, uh, Joseph Gordon Levitt, uh, Killian Murphy. Murphy. Yeah, it's, um, Tom Hardy. The the cast is amazing. Yeah, it's filled with great performances. Yeah, and so so the insane thing to me. So this is 2010. So it's really early in the decade. In 2010, it was nominated for Best Picture, but it didn't win. Instead, The King's Speech, which I like, it's a fine movie, but The King's Speech went and won Best Picture instead of Inception, and that is insane. Yeah, there's some weird choices in in many years (laughs) the Academy gets it wrong. Everyone knows about Inception. We don't need to spend too much time on it. Ryan, what's your number six? Number six, another Nolan movie, Interstellar. Uh, I I love Interstellar. Um, I... Kind of went back and forth uh, for a while, and which whether I liked Inception more or Interstellar. But then, the more I watch Interstellar, and the more like just uh, what Maddie is doing in it, and just my relationship with him that's grown so much deeper. I just you know the more I get to know him, the more I can see like what he's really doing on screen. Um, so I think it's kind of a personal pick for me. But uh, no, I. What do you what do you like bet Maddie and better um, this uh, in, uh, Interstellar or the Lincoln commercials? I mean, it's two different categories. So luckily, I don't have to pick. I think my favorite part about Interstellar uh, is when uh, Maddie runs into Matt Damon on that snowy ice planet, whatever the hell yeah. that is, 
was such a great twist to have it be Matt Damon. Yeah, no, that was that was amazing. That was great. Uh, well, and, and you know, how the rest of the movie, Matt Damon impersonates, um, like he takes on his persona. He kills Maddie, and then <laughs> he plays his character the rest of the movie. Mm-hmm. Yep. Effectively, and that's uh, yeah. Totally fools he, Anne Hathaway. He does. He does a good job of like uh, pretending to be upset that uh, Matthew McConaughey isn't going to get to see his children grow up. Like, yeah. he, like, oh no, my kids. But really, he's just like, ah, whatever. I'm out of there. Anyway, yeah. we can talk about this one more because I have it ranked higher. So, oh, you're ruining. <laughs> you're doing this because I came up with this system, and you're ruining it on purpose. What's your number six, Chris? Uh, Mad Max Fury Road. I love it. I love it. I love it. I don't feel like I need to say more about it because I've talked about it before. It's amazing that it's amazing how this movie tells a complex story without using dialogue to do so. I think we talked about it because we I think we said we I mean, we did almost a whole episode on it. Moving on from that garbage movie. uh, Number six on my list is Blade Runner 2049. Good choice. I have it higher. Higher. Okay, move on. Ryan, five. Uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Do you... Higher. Higher? Okay. Whoa. Okay. Chris, five. John Wick. And I'm going to break the rules, and all three of them are my number five. (laughs) John Wick, John Wick 2, John Wick 3, Parastellar. Okay. Parastellar. I have it. Parastellar. You have a higher. Okay. All right. I don't have it. My number five? Yeah. It's the nice guys. All right. No, I love this. I rewatched the nice guys the other day. It is terrific. Like every scene, like every scene that was coming up or starting, I just got excited because I knew something funny was going to happen. And I sort of remembered it. I've, I've seen it now, I think, three, four, four times, I think. It's incredibly and- rewatchable. Yeah. It is. And it's like we talked about the other day. It doesn't miss a beat in mm. the entire movie. No. It, it, it is hilarious. It is my Russell, whoever casted Russell Crowe and Ryan Gosling in this movie is yeah. a fucking genius. Yeah. And which which I, I don't mean, understand. They're big enough stars where you don't bring them in to audition. <laughs> but like, but, how, do like you, how, how did you know, know that they were going to have this chemistry? Exactly. Yeah. And I mean, I had no idea. Like both of them are like physical. Do so much physical oh comedy in this movie that like it's just like oh okay well I guess they're you know great A list leading men actors and can also be you you know the best physical comedy uh, actors you've ever seen because uh, I mean there's so much about it that's funny and, and yeah. the girl no, who like, plays Ryan Gosling's daughter she's great oh her she's timing, amazing. her timing is so perfect and her expressions like when at the beginning of the movie when he gets back in the car and she's driving and am he's I just, a bad person he's like tell me straight like don't be afraid to hurt my feelings and she's just like yes are you serious <laughs> just like yeah, or like and like the physical humor bit when he goes to break the glass and he cuts his yeah. arm early in the movie. Oh, it's so he funny. screams. <laughs> and then even just like the subtle stuff, like when they on the elevator where uh they see like that guy get thrown out the window and they just like kind of just like <laughs> They retreat suddenly. back into the elevator. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. No, it's good. It's it's so funny. It is so great. They set up a sequel in the movie, and the sequel is nowhere to be seen. 
So, which which makes me sad. Yeah, I would love a sequel. I would I would just love these two guys to be yeah, maybe maybe cool. just put it put, put it twenty years cool. later, like completely different. Like just put these two guys together in a comedy. Yeah, yeah, yes, that's that's what I want. I just want more like Russell Crowe, uh, Ryan Gosling, just playing off of each other. You know, with that you know antagonistic relationship, but they yeah uh, force them to work together somehow. Yeah, we need to get a petition. It is really rare for me that I will rate like a comedy or an action comedy this high, but I I love this freaking film. It is it is so good. So it parks in the fifth spot on my list. Ryan, what's your number four? Uh, the Wolf of Wall Street. Just missed a cut on my list. I think this is one of. I, I think Leo is great. Um, I think. <sighs> I think, like, and Adam mentioned this, um, I can't remember if it was on Twitter, but I listened to the same podcast that he was referencing in that um, this movie does a great job of um, showing decadence and depravity without, like, I don't, it doesn't celebrate it. It's just, like, this is who this guy was and the people that he ran around with. Um, But it's also... Really funny. I mean, Leo does a lot of really great physical comedy in this. Jonah Hill is great in this. Um, Margot Robbie. Margot Robbie is amazing in this. Um, how many How many voice lines does she have in this movie? Did you count? <laughs> uh, I didn't count these, uh, but I think it's more than Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. It, so, it, it, is it your favorite Scorsese movie? Yes. Is it is it better than The Irishman? <laughs> I think I have to watch. Um, I have to find a movie theater to let me play The Irishman, um, so that I can get the full experience, I guess, of whatever he's talking about about seeing it in the theater. Because when I watched it on Netflix, I was on my phone a lot. I uh, I watched Irishman on the treadmill at the yeah, gym. The the beginning of The Irishman is. I don't know, so just slow. how Scorsese uh, that's that's how he wants you to watch it is on the treadmill <laughs> at the gym uh, with yeah. like a superhero costume on I'm, I'm a little torn on the Wolf of Wall Street and like, I enjoy it I've rewatched it a few times uh, it, it's it's like funny it's a spectacle to watch mm-hmm. uh, like the, the, the rise and fall of Jordan Belfort uh, Jonah Hill is great in it Chris what do you have in number four Moonrise Kingdom. A very controversial movie for, I think, some. Some people are really... Uh, my, my argument for the acceptability of, of the weird kind of, like... Um, like, there's a scene where they, where they take off their clothes almost entirely, these kind of pre-adolescent kids, um, and dance on the beach. Uh, I find it acceptable because it's kind of like a return to Eden, um, to to like uh, a pre-fall uh, humanity, um, and, and so I th- I think that works. I, I would understand removing that from the film, but I don't find it like it's it's not erotic. Um, so it's not like I, I don't think it's perverted. I think it's very innocent. Um, these the, you know the I mean it's uncomfortable in some areas because like um, she's like yeah you can touch my boob if you want, and and they're like nine years old, um, but like they don't like they're it's not really. Like that kind of shows how non-sexualized it is, because like they don't know what they're doing. Right. Um. They're just like, uh, we we ran away together. We're these two misfits. 
Um, the performances in that movie are great. The, like Wes Anderson is always has this beautiful color palette that he uses. Um, I love just the frenetic pace of the last uh, act of the film. Um, it, it it is a, a wonderful movie that I understand uh, some people are uncomfortable with, but um, I find it to be amazing. Um, so uh, that's my number four. In one of our previous episode episodes on the show, we have an entire Wes Anderson movie where where Chris goes in depth on his love for Wes Anderson and this goes deeper trash in Anderson. movie. I, I go Jesus. Wait, I go deep. Wes, Wes Anderson's oh, that's best. Right. I did think it was trash. Wes Anderson's best movies two years later in the Grand Budapest Hotel. People should go watch that instead. It's great. That's no, not his best movie. I can't believe you put this in fort. Jesus. Anyway. What's your fort? Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I'm not sure how much recency bias this is, but I love this movie. It's Quentin Tarantino's finest work yet. Yes. It is like, it it might be his second to last movie or something like that. I mean, we will see. I don't think he will stop making this. What is he? Is he dying? (laughs) (laughs) Do you think he's just going to retire in his prime? Like he's getting these relatively blank checks. And he's just, yeah. yeah. No thanks. Yeah. I'm, I I kind of want like, to work at Bath and Body Works. So <laughs> the like the like you said the blank check the freedom to do creatively what he was born to do and he's just gonna be like ah ten uh, I did ten um I'm out here. <laughs> yeah. uh, and so it's it's my favorite movie of his by yes. far. Like Inglorious Bastards is good. Uh, Reservoir Dogs is good. Um, pop fiction is good, but this one's great. Like I think everything where there's there's not like the violence isn't extreme. Brad Pitt is Brad amazing. Pitt's so good in this. If he doesn't I, win Best Supporting Actor, I don't even know what's what's happening anymore. Yeah, no. Two, 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 is turning into the year of Brad Pitt. And but um, I'm not a Leonardo DiCaprio guy, but um, this performance by Leo is is amazing. Oh my gosh, yeah. He, he just there's so many different facets of the, the this character that he just does really well. You can tell probably drawing from some, you know, personal uh, experiences that he's had. Whatever that West that that TV show where he's mm-hmm. playing the bad guy and the director is mm-hmm. like where the director wants to get him, you know, in in, in, a, in a big beard and uh, costume. He's like, how are they going to know it's Rick Dalton? And he's just like. I don't want people to know it's Rick Dalton. I want you to be an actor. Then his discussions with the little girl about acting, and uh, then the performance uh, at the end of the show where he throws her on the ground, and then she tells him that that's like the best acting she's ever seen, and he starts crying, and just is like it feels really like really real, and I, I really like that sequence. Yeah, and it's great. And, and uh, the the image of LA in the '60s and '70s is like magical and it really makes you want to be there even though i'm sure like for like the average joe that wasn't what life was like whatsoever but like it just looks great Mm -hmm. it's it's terrific we we recently did an episode on quentin tarantino you guys should go back and listen to it ryan number three uh number three is dunkirk higher higher chris uh blade runner 2049 uh, higher. Did Sicario. you already say Blade Runner twenty forty nine, Thomas? Yeah. Oh, okay, 
I didn't know if you didn't have it on your list or if you already said it. Okay. Number three, Sicario. Oh wow. Okay. This this is his best movie. I I love it. I was so disappointed with the sequel that came out. Was it last year, two thousand eight? No, two years ago, uh, two thousand eighteen, yeah. I think. Yeah. Uh, and uh, the sequel, The Day of the Soldado, is nowhere near as good as the first one. Uh, it, it's yeah. it's one of the best action movies of the past 10 years. It is so good. We've, I feel like we've talked about this on the show as well, haven't we? Yeah, at some point we have, yeah. But I, I really like it too. It's, it's so much better than the second one. It, it's, you know, it's very bleak, but it's also, you know, seems to be grounded in some reality uh written by taylor sheridan who wrote wind river direct wind river the the, the interplay interplay between emily blunt del toro and josh josh brolin in this movie is like it's great like emily blunt is there to sort of be i don't know like the voice of reason staying on the right side of the law whatever josh brolin and del toro they're there to do what needs to be done and yeah. they you operate in, law by breaking the law. <laughs> yeah, and they operate in sort of like this gray zone. Like if you are actually going to take on these cartels and you're going to destabilize them, well, what do you have to be prepared to do? It really works in this movie, and they ruin it in the second one where Del Toro suddenly, I don't know, developed hey. feelings and started to take care of this girl. Yeah. I haven't seen the second one yet. But it, yeah, it, it is interesting how Emily Bunt is just like, you know, that was so illegal, like like the scene on the bridge where, like, it's weird that they didn't really have clear rules of engagement where, like, on the fly, they're like, well, what do we do? Like, we see that this this car with, with guns, like, they're going to attack us. And they're like, well, they're like, can we get out of the car? They're like, no, not until they do. Like, we can't. Uh, and they say that on the fly. Like, it's it's like it wasn't hashed up beforehand. Um, but she was furious and she was like, that was so illegal. Well, I, I don't know what what you would have had them do like you have to protect yourselves and and the asset so um i feel like that was a proportional response on, on their part but she's kind of a scold in the movie um early on and then uh continues yeah and, and like all three of them like blunt brolin del toro i love them in this movie like brolin as this cia officer um what was his name like matt graver something like that in the movie yeah. it's it's it it the, all works. In the opening scene, he's like wearing flip flops. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it, it like zooms in on the on the feet. It's like like it's a Tarantino movie or something. Uh, what do you have in number two, Ryan? I have uh, Blade Runner twenty forty nine. Ryan Gosling. Chris, do you have it higher than two? No, I I had it at three. Oh, you had it at three. Oh, okay. Blade Runner twenty forty nine. Another Denis Villeneuve movie this is one where you could just look at it so many yeah. of the uh, the set piece like when he's going to las vegas and it's just that burnt out wasteland like just you could just look around there for it just looks so amazing and then from the very beginning of the film like with the with the fight with uh, dave batista who is amazing in that fight it just it, ryan gosling's performance uh, all the way through, um, which is like struggling with who he is, is just really, really great. Have you guys seen the uh, original Blade Runner? Yeah. H- how do you think it compares? I, I think it's much better than the original Blade Runner. Like, I don't even think it's. I mean, the original Blade Runner is it's it's a different 
like is, is the original Blade Runner is much more noir, and it's just a and that's not like my favorite kind of movie. It's just it's just a completely different style. Good, it's enjoyable, but I I think this one is yeah. better. Uh, it's not even close. Yeah, and like the best sign that people are garbage is that this had a budget of like I don't know, like 150 million. Yeah, its box office was about 260 or something like that. People are terrible. Like people are trash. Why this is what they should go see? If if they actually want like quality movies uh, that aren't just superhero, whatever, just like. Kyle Smith told Alexandra the Sanctus the other day. Like, this is what they should go see. Yeah, I mean, that's just it. Is is uh, there are movies out there that, that are good. Um, you might have to search a little bit to find them because they're not um, the ones that are marketed um, because they're not existing IP or they're not it's, uh, comic book movies or Star Wars. But um, but they are like good movies are being made. Yeah, and I remember, so I watched this one, I saw this one in theaters the first time, and on the big screen, like, mm. just as you were saying, like, it's gorgeous, it's like $150 million budget, and yeah. it, it you, looks, you can like, see every, yeah. every penny is on the screen in this. And like, his his car, or his, like, his flying car is so cool. Uh, I mean, they just, the detail and everything in this, it's, it's really, like, they had a third one uh, planned at the time of the release oh, really? oh. of this, and then basically after it lost money, there. No, like, it oh, it okay. obviously sets up for another movie at yeah. the end. And and so in my quadrants, I I have both. Um, does it look good? Uh, I also I also have the coherence. Like, is it coherent? Like, does it make sense? Does it work? Um, quadrant. Um, and I I think um this is a movie. This is an example of. Um, the the internal coherence makes it look amazing, and what I mean is like it is all there's a lot of practical effects, um, and that's why it looks amazing. It's not just computer generated images. You're not watching um, you know cartoons like you're you're watching like real stuff. Now a lot of it's miniatures, but um, like that makes it work and it makes it look yeah. amazing. Jared Leto is great in it. Yes. Oh yeah, yeah. So you have it in in second, Ryan and Chris. Yes. You had it at. Three, four, three, and I have it as number six. So, yeah, it's definitely one of the best movies of the decade. Not, not just one of our favorites. Um, what's the runner-up for you, Chris? Dunkirk. You have that as one, don't you, Thomas? I have it higher. Higher than higher one. Higher than one. Higher than one. <laughs> uh, my number two is John Wick. I Which guess we one? can. I mean, the first one, but yeah. I mean, I sort of want to do what you did and just throw them all in there. If that's allowed, if that's a thing we actually can do. Now, it's so great. Like, we've talked about this before. We don't need to spend a ton of time on it. But, like, this is what an action movie should be like. Mm -hmm. Like, this is, this is the gold standard. If you make an action movie and it's anything like John Wick, you're doing something right. Yeah, I heard, uh, I think it was on Blank Check, I heard them praising this and contrasting it with Hobbs and Shaw, where in Hobbs and Shaw, both actors were concerned um, they had something in their contract that they couldn't actually lose a fight. <laughs> couldn't lose a fight, yeah. Um, where in John Wick, like, yeah, okay, he's like he survives these fights, but like, it's not. 
there there isn't concern or, uh, as to whether he's winning or losing. Like he kind of gets like his body gets battered throughout mm-hmm. each movie. I think in you know, Blank Check they talked about it being like each fight is so beautifully choreographed that it's like a one act uh, play. Like it's. Yeah. It tells its own story, and and it's amazing. So because of that, um, the fight scenes in the action is more compelling than than um, than in many blockbuster movies. Yeah, I'm still a bit confused as to how he survives the fall of the building. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think he has um, like a like adamantium uh, uh... inside of his body that it's like a Wolverine thing. Oh, that makes sense. Speaking of Keanu Reeves, did you see that? I think it's in 2021. The the new are Matrix. A, are they going to open a Keanu Reeves team? Oh. If you go there and celebrate doing. Keanu Reeves, yeah, from Bill I mean, and Ted all the way to John Wick. Uh, aren't they making another Bill and Ted movie? There's yes. a Walk in the Clouds ride. They're I think they're Speed. finished filming it. Let's wrap this up. Your number one is Steve Jobs. Obviously, nice. Chris Kutcher. Yes. Don't. I, I don't think there's really a. Much of a debate about this. Maybe you guys um, just kind of assumed everyone would have it number one. So yeah, I've seen the one. I, I've seen the one with uh, Alicia Vikander's husband, um, but I, I don't think I've seen the Ashton Kutcher one, written by Aaron Sorkin. I, I think this is Sorkin's best script. Dialogue is just so quick, and like if the performers weren't on their game, like it wouldn't have. It would have like fallen flat. It would have felt stupid because no one talks the way like the people that they're portraying did not talk the way that they're talking in the film but that's what's so great about it is that it's like on that edge of where it feels real the, with their performances um another downside is fastbender wears pants the entire movie so it's a good movie uh we watched it uh, when i was in texas it's a good movie the the structure of it and how it's built around these like different presentations. Yeah. It's very interesting. It, it's really cool. That yeah, I love that. That's the way that they did it because, like, with the other the Ashton Kutcher Steve Jobs movie tried to do was like take his whole life, condense that down into a movie. And what they did in this uh, with Sorkin's script and Danny Boyle's direction was they just took the three big product launch, like three big product launches that he had and just basically gave you exposition as he's you know walking and talking getting ready for the product launch and give you the whole story of what was going on at that time and then what had happened in between the the launches it was it was a really cool way to do it and i I really i love this movie i've i don't even know how many times i've watched it but i've i've watched it a bunch of times probably Probably twenty, probably twenty times. It's pretty bold, you gotta admit, for Boyle to um, produce a Steve Jobs movie at like just two years after the definitive one was completed and released. Chris, what's your number one? Interstellar. I love Holy this movie. Crap. Okay. It is beautiful. It's beautiful to look at. Um, mm-hmm. It's got humor. Um, uh, with Tars. It, Tars is is. Very funny. Um, it, it's it's so ambitious. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's what we want movies to be, and and like Nolan is just um, between Dunkirk and and uh, Interstellar, like at just at the height of his powers, like a, a filmmaker who 
just puts compelling stories on screen and, and tells stories in a really compelling way and um, does it all like visually docking sequence with, with the film score. Uh, the film score is amazing. It's it's just a, an amazing movie uh, with with really really uh, stunning performances. Yeah, I mean, I don't think that. I mean, we'd seen at the point of Interstellar, we'd seen Matthew McConaughey give really good performances, like in True Detective. But this is completely different than True Detective, and well, other I don't level think, of depth with the. With yeah, the- I don't think I I thought that he had this. Uh, you know. The emotion, just so much. I, I, it's really. I think it's his best work. Did you know? I actually, I recently discovered this, and I wasn't aware of it. Um, uh, young Tom, Tom Cooper, is played by Timothy uh, Chalamet. Yeah, Timothy Chalamet. Yeah. I did not realize that. It's your favorite I, actor, I, Thomas. Oh it's 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 funny how uh, uh, so when he's Timothy Chalamet, his voice is really deep. And then when he's older, Casey Affleck, his voice is high. <laughs> it's funny how his voice goes from low to high as he gets older. No, I mean, it's good. It, Topher it's, Grace it, is even good in it. <laughs> What's that supposed to mean? I don't know. He doesn't really do anything besides edit Star Wars movies together anymore. But do you know that he made a cut of the three prequel, the three Star Wars prequels like into one movie? And like he'll screen it for his friends. And mm. people say, like, it's actually good. It's actually good. Yeah. He takes the best of Lucas and, and makes one movie out of three. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I no, he really he really did that. And I get, obviously, he's not allowed to show it to people legally, but people that have seen it have said, like, oh, no, it's actually really good. I don't know how he – maybe he replaces Hayden Christensen with himself. <laughs> uh, he's uh, he's in that stupid looking Christian movie from this year, a Breakthrough. Uh, other than that, the only thing that I know him from or remember him from is uh, that seventies show. He's in a movie called in- Company Men. Yeah. Oh, like that's six garbage. or seven years ago. Yeah, it was okay in that. that was, no, that was a bad movie. That was a really ter- bad. It's terrible. Was it? Yes. Yeah. Uh, when did it's that? got go? a good cast, and it's like, how can this movie be so bad? My number one is, of course, Dunkirk, which is Christopher Nolan's finest work. Best movie of the decade by far. Watching it in the theater uh, is one of the rare occasions where I've gone twice to see a movie in the theater. Uh, just it, there's so much tension. You feel claustrophobic. It, there's that stupid fucking ticking sound throughout the movie. It's 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 beautiful. It's so great. And uh, so, Ryan, you have a story about Dunkirk and Quentin Tarantino. Yeah, so I was listening to a podcast in which uh, they were discussing Dunkirk. It was The Ringer, The Rewatchables. And Quentin Tarantino was going to be on to discuss a film that he uh, picked, and he picked Dunkirk. And so early on, he says, okay, so I, I watched it again just before they recorded it. It's my fourth time seeing it. And just like seeing how every time he watches it, he 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 loves it even more. He said like the first time he saw it, he didn't he he liked it and he enjoyed the spectacle, um, but didn't like think it was like great. He didn't really think it was going to be anything special. And then he was surprised that people were talking about like it's one maybe his great his best movie. And so then like getting into the podcast talking about more stuff. And so he says he admits that. <laughs> 
he didn't understand that there was time shift. He didn't know that there was time shifting until the fourth time he watched. He watched it. He just said, "Yeah, I just thought, you know, I was just wrapped up in the spectacle and the 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 cutting between it was so seamless that." I really wasn't even thinking about it. It's not like is Ta- I was is Tarantino an idiot. Yeah, he, was, so he, he said like I wasn't trying to figure it out. It's not like I was trying to figure out like I was just I was just watching it and enjoying it. And then the fourth time I was like, oh, I see. We're seeing the same, you know, some of the same things over and like it's three different times. And he uh, is right about the fact, though, that it is really seamless between these different like time frames or whatever you want to call them, right? Like you, you see the planes, you see one of them go down and then later you see uh, the boat with dry lands coming up uh, on, on the, the floating carcass of the plane or whatever. Like it, it is seamless, but of course there's some sort of time shifting going on. Are you an idiot? I, yeah. anyway, anyway, we all love Dunkirk. Oh, I it's, had it. it's, it's night on the beach, but it's day uh, <laughs> up in the sky. <laughs> Yeah. So I had it as number one. I think Chris said as number two. Mm-hmm. Ryan, where did you have it? Uh, number three, I believe. Okay. So I think collectively this was our... I, I think that's the consensus winner here. Yeah. Which, again, as I said, my, my list is essentially the scorecard here. Sure. Um... Because it doesn't contain Moonrise Kingdom. Having decided that Dunkirk is the best movie of the past decade, I believe that is all the time we are giving to this episode. Uh, complaints, tweet at JBLast on Twitter. Praise, you can email to sseupod at gmail.com. Leave a review. Give us 50 stars. Send, <laughs> send us candy and jerky. Uh, and that, that is it. Anything else, boys? Mm. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Hindsight is 2020. Good night and good luck. <laughs> Idiot. John Travolta says that the dog like put its le- back legs up in the harness and pooped and kept running on its front legs and then puts like back down, and kept running. Or did no, he... I didn't see that. Okay. It, it was all all legs. But if we would slow down or even stop a little bit, like later on, they they would take advantage of that to like do get a little whiz out. Like 
Um, so I saw one like do a little whiz, and then it realized that we were we we're going. We like sped up again, and then we stopped, and then they all were like, "Okay, we're gonna pee now." So uh, <laughs> I'm just watching it with the subtitles on. Uh, the nice guys, <laughs> and um, the bartender asks uh, Ryan Gosling, "Like, what can I get you?" And he's like, "Oh, I'm I'm good." He's like. And the bartender's like, "Well, drinks are free." And then the look that Ryan Gosling gives him, like, "Oh, I, I like, I'm game now," <laughs> like, is amazing. I think yeah. he might be my favorite actor right now. Yeah, um, <laughs> that whole scene at the the whole sequence at the party. He's just he's so funny when he's looking for his gun. No, no, this this is um at, this is the at the end of the movie. Um, oh, oh, at the uh, yeah. Okay. And, and, so I should add one of my honorable mention here is is Drive. I hadn't watched that until maybe a few weeks ago. Yeah. Uh, I think it's on Netflix. Everyone should watch Drive. Ryan Gosling's really good in it. It's a good movie. This the film score is good. Really good performances. Go watch it. <laughs>